Let's take our Bibles tonight, Matthew chapter 5, as we continue in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, and uh, we're going to look at some words from Jesus that may seem even to some to be extreme, um, yet most of what Jesus taught in these three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, would be considered extreme by, uh, by the world. Certainly these things that he uh, is, is teaching and, and admonishing us in, uh, they go contrary to our human understanding and reasoning. But uh, we're going to look at several verses tonight, verses 21 through 26, and uh, if you're in Matthew 5 and you have the ability to stand, I know we've stood a couple of times already, but I'll invite you to do that as we read the scripture together tonight. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, the Bible says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Those are some pretty strong words. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou, thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Would you pray with me together tonight? Father, these verses in your word are so strong and pointed and necessary, but Lord, I fear that sometimes we brush over them and breeze past them and don't consider the importance of reconciling strained relationships. And I pray that tonight as we look into your word that you would give us insight Give us understanding, but Lord, also humility and honesty in our relationship to you and how that affects and influences and is influenced by our relationship with one another. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Verse, verses 21 and 22, as well as 27 and 28 of this chapter are often used to identify that Jesus was uh, explaining to, to the people that the law of God, the Old Testament law, had more to do with the inward man, the heart of man, than just uh, his actions. And uh, it's, it's, in fact, I've used these verses many times in, 
in dealing with someone about their soul, as I'm talking to them about their condition and need for salvation, I'll often go through the Ten Commandments with someone. And one by one we'll walk through them. And, and it's easy to see, uh, you know, the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. It's, it's easy to see that that's one that all of us have, have broken, haven't we? We have put other things before God. We have not loved the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind as we've been commanded to do. Uh, I, I've shown them many times that the, uh, uh, the third commandment, that we're not to take the, the Lord's name in vain. We're not to treat His name lightly. We're not to uh, treat it with vanity. And the truth is that all of us have at some point uh, probably used the name of the Lord in a vain way. Maybe uh, whether it be in using it as a curse word or even just treating the name of the Lord lightly, joking and blaspheming the name of the Lord, maybe even incidentally. I've shown people the, the commandment, of the, of the fifth commandment, that we're to honor our father and our mother. And, and all of us, even young children, are able to say, yes, I've not always lived up to God's standard of obeying my parents and, and honoring them as I ought to. And it's easy to walk through the commandments and show that one after another after another, we're guilty and we've broken them. But then there's a couple of commandments that you get to, like the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, and immediately in someone's mind who lives a pretty moral life, it's easy for them to say, oh, okay, I'm good on that one. I've never killed anyone. Or the seventh commandment, you know, thou shalt not commit, or the, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. And we say, well, I'm, I'm good on that one. I've never, I've never been unfaithful to my spouse. And so it's easy sometimes for us to kind of justify those things. Well, you come here to Matthew 5, and, and Jesus makes it very clear that even if you've never acted out in that way, even if you've never physically taken another life, even if you've never physically committed adultery against your spouse, that uh, the vast majority of us would be guilty of these as well. And here in, in, in verse 21, he, he says that you've heard that you, it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. Verse 22, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause is, is, uh, shall be in danger of the judgment. So even anger, Jesus says that's just as serious in God's eyes. Uh, anger that doesn't have a just cause is just as serious in God's eyes as murder. He says that whosoever shall say to his brother, Reka, that's like a, uh, an insult. It literally means empty head. Okay, it's like calling someone an idiot. It's like saying you're, you're, you're a fool, you're stupid. That, and it's just kind of a, a derogatory cursing almost of someone for, for their actions. And then he says that uh, whosoever shall say thou fool, that's an even stronger statement that basically says you're a godless person. And he says if, you're, if you've uh, been angry with your brother without a cause, if you've used these words of, uh, of, of cursing and, and tearing down in God's economy, in God's eyes, you might as well be guilty of murdering that person. Why? Because God, we understand, is not looking just on the outward appearance as we would look, but He's looking within the heart and He's concerned about what's going on in your heart and life. And I've mentioned this even in the past uh, few weeks and, and highlighted that. But I want you to notice verse number 23, where he says, therefore, 
And again, a good reminder is anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, uh, let that be a buzzword to you. Something that just kind of stands out like it's highlighted. Therefore or wherefore. Because what it's doing is it's connecting the next thought to the previous thought. It's saying because of what I have just told you, based upon the information you have just received, here is what you need to know about that. So therefore, understanding that God is looking within your heart in regard to your relationship to other people, therefore, he says, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. So he lays out this scenario, and he says, "You, let's give an example that you one day are coming to the house of the Lord to make a sacrifice, to make an offering to him. And he says, as you come to the altar to make that sacrifice, in your mind arises the awareness that there is something between you and a brother now that could be an earthly brother, the blood relation, or it could be in reference even to a brother or sister in Christ, a fellow believer. And he says if, if when you come to bring your gift to the altar and you remember there, he even says there remembers, in the, in the process of offering to God, it occurs to you that there's something that is not right between you and another individual. Someone has ought against you. He says, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother. Stop what you're doing. Leave your gift where it is and immediately go and seek to be reconciled to that person. And once that relationship problem has been resolved, then you can come back and make an offering to God. What an interesting statement that he would make because when you really think about this, wouldn't, wouldn't it just stand to reason that our relationship to God is, is more important than our relationship to men? So wouldn't you think he would say, finish making your offering and then go and be reconciled to your brother? After all, making an, off, uh, an offering on the altar, that has to do with my relation to him. So I ought to deal with that first and then go and be reconciled to my brother. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, if in the process of making this offering on the altar, it, you become aware that there is something between you and a brother, stop what you're doing and go and be reconciled to your brother first. I'm fascinated by this concept that Jesus would say this. But I think it, it really highlights some things in and emphasizes some things to us that are, we probably know, but they, they ought to be very important to us. The first thing is this. God is concerned with your relationship to other people. God is concerned with your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. He cares about that. In fact, he cares about it so much that he's made it clear it's really not possible 
to be right in standing before God. It's not possible to be right with Him when we're at odds with the brethren. And so often we think that you know our interpersonal problems with one another are somehow disconnected from our relationship to God, but they're not. They're actually very closely connected. If you are right with God, it's going to influence and affect your earthly relationships. If you are at odds with a brother or sister in Christ, it's going to affect your relationship with God. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible admonishing husbands tells them that they are to dwell with their wives according to knowledge. And it makes this statement. It says that your prayers be not hindered. What does dwelling with my wife according to knowledge have to do with my prayers? Well, I might not like to consider it or admit it, but the truth is, if I'm not being the husband that I'm called to be, that's going to create some disconnect between me and God in terms of our fellowship. If things aren't right between my wife and I, things aren't going to be right between my God and I. Hold your place here and go to the book of 1 John, if you would, please. 1 John in chapter number 4. And we find here that, again, some very strong words. But he says in verse number 20 of 1 John 4, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So he says, if you, if you say, yes, I, I love God. Man, I, I'm just so in love with God. I, uh, he's, he's the greatest and most important thing in my life. Yeah, but what about so-and-so over there? Oh, don't get me started on them. God says that's a lie. It's a lie. What's the first and great commandment? Thou shalt, what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You cannot love God and not love the brethren. It's not possible. And so if there's something between you and another person, especially another Christian, there's something between you and God. These things are interconnected. God is concerned with our relationship to others. Why is this so important, friend? It's so important because there are so many Christians that get along with the vast majority of other people in their church, but there's someone. There's someone 
who at some point wronged them, something happened in the relationship, and things would never be the same again. I've seen it. You've probably seen it. And the truth is, as I'm preaching this, there might be someone that's coming to your mind. You know something happened at some point, and either you've never forgiven them for that, or they have something against you, and you've never sought to make that right with them. You're going on through your life assuming everything's fine between the Lord and I. There's nothing between my soul and the Savior, but friend, if there's something between you and a brother, God says, you need to get that right before you ever even think about trying to make an offering to me. God is concerned with our relation to one another. Do you know how much the Bible has to say about brethren dwelling together in unity? From the Old Testament to the New Testament, and even in John chapter 17, just before Jesus went to the cross, and He prayed for, not for Himself, but for His people. And one of the things that He prayed is that we would be one, even as his fa- He and His Father were one, that the world may know the Father sent him. You see, your relationship with one another actually has an influence and an effect on your testimony, whether you realize it or not. God is concerned about it. So much so that he says, hey, don't go any further. He didn't say, leave, the, leave thy gift at the altar and just let it sit there until someday things are made right between you and your brother. He said, leave there thy gift at the altar and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother. Amen. And that brings us to our next point. Not only is God concerned about our relationship with one another, but God, God wants us to deal with this issue immediately. Amen. Immediately. This is not a someday kind of thing. Someday I need to resolve this with so-and-so. Before I die, I hope that I can be reconciled in this way. No, this is immediate. This is immediate. If there is something between you and another person tonight, friend, before going any further, you need to work on getting that settled. Deal with it right now. I find it interesting that he says here in verse 23, Therefore, if if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. I can't tell you how many people I've counseled with, and and they've said something, Well, I know so-and-so has a problem with me. I'm not really sure why. I don't have any issue with them. And in their mind, they think since they're the one that has the problem, the onus is on them to try and restore the relationship. That's not what Jesus said. He said, if thy brother has ought against thee. Now, it might be that they have reason to have ought against you. It might be that you've done something to cause offense in their life. And certainly you can see how then it's your job to, to, to seek that out, to seek restoration, go seek forgiveness. 
However, there are times, and maybe you've experienced this, I know I have, there have been times that someone has gotten crossways with me, and for the life of me, I can't figure out what I did to them. There's a man right now, he and I, I thought we were good friends. And there was... There were some things that had taken place, uh, some, somewhat of an unfortunate event uh, that took place, and, and, uh, and it caused a little bit of strain uh, in our relationship, but I, I, I thought that we had kind of made that okay and, and, and had been cordial, at least, to one another and, and, and moved on from that. And then out of nowhere, years later, this guy just reaches out to me and starts accusing me of things uh, talking about him behind his back, and, and, all, and, and honestly, I mean, in all honesty, this guy's name hadn't even come to my mind in months or a year, or I, I mean, it just, I, I don't know where he was getting this, but you know what? If he's got odd against me, that, that, that means it's my responsibility to seek to make this right. I can't just say, man, you don't know what you're talking about, forget it and move on. I have to go and try and deal with this. Because if there's, some, if, if there's some way, as much as life in me, I am to be at peace with all men. Now, the reality is that some people will not be at peace with you no matter what you do. But at least, at the very minimum, you need to do everything in your power to seek restoration in a relationship. Make it right. If you've wronged someone, Confess that. Ask for their forgiveness. Try to make it right. Even if you say, I, I don't think I did anything wrong in this situation, do your best to restore that relationship. Why? Because it has an influence on your relationship with God, whether you like it or not. Get it right. Get it settled. Don't sit there and stew about things. Don't, don't sit there and ignore the issue. Get it right. The, the responsibility, the onus is on you. You say, well, what about them? Let God deal with them. What is that to thee? Really? You say, well, it's all their fault. Maybe it is, but you know what? In my relationship with God, and by the way, yours is the same, it was all my fault that things weren't right with him. But he's the one who made it right. He's the one who came and died in my place. I didn't deserve it, but he initiated. He's the one that went about to fix it. And if we're going to be like Christ, we ought to be willing to say, you know what, whether I'm right or wrong in this situation really doesn't matter. I need to go be reconciled to my brother. Immediately. God wants this dealt with now. God cares about your relationship with others. It's necessary to deal with this quickly. In verse 25, I want to point out to you that the Bible tells us that sometimes it's best to settle out of court. Verse 25, it says, Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee, thee to the officer, and thou be cast into, the, into prison. <clears throat> Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. This is, a, this is a, an example of someone 
who someone wants to, to take them, essentially take them to court. They say, you owe me something. And they're going to they're gonna press this issue. Now, he never says specifically that you're the one in the wrong, that, that, that your adversary here is right, that, you, that they are owed something. That's not what he says. But here is what he says. When you're in the way, and you have to understand that the Roman law was basically that on your way to the court or before the judge, you had the opportunity to try and make an agreement with the person who was, who was trying to uh, sue you or, or, or take you before the judge. And it would usually go easier for both parties if you made an agreement before having to go before a judge. We know this concept as, as settling out of court, right? Before, before we have to get into a, a, an ugly legal battle here, let's just make an agreement that we can both be okay with and move on, right? And Jesus uses that example in reference to our relationship to other people. Why? Settling out of court does a couple of things. It does make it easier on both parties. Usually the consequences aren't as great for the loser in the situation. One of the reasons that I don't care for the concept is in some ways both parties kind of walk away losers. You know what I mean? I believe Jesus uses this example because it's important that rather than trying to prove that we're right, rather than trying to prove that I am the just one in this situation, it's, it's better to just take some losses and be restored in our relationship Amen. than to prove that we're right and have a strained relationship. That's a hard lesson to learn. Men, this is a good lesson for us to learn. Husbands, men have a tendency, myself included, to want to prove that we're right. How many of you men have ever found that you can win an argument, but you really didn't win anything? I've been there. Proven that I was right in this situation. But somehow it didn't help our relationship. I don't understand why. You would think once she clearly sees the facts. Okay. And then she'd, you know, come grovel at my feet. No, that's not what happens, is it? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay? I joke. Seriously, though, think about this. How often do we want to stand on our... Uh, on our high horse and say, well, they're the ones who were wrong in this situation. I'm not going, I'm not even going to consider trying to make this right with them until they're willing to, to ask for forgiveness, until they apologize. Listen, here's what Jesus is saying. Why don't you find a way, before this has to go any further, to make it right? You know what that might mean? you might have to suffer some loss. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. You might have to humble yourself and be willing to not be right. Sometimes the, 
the need to always be right can get in the way of us being right with one another. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul is rebuking this church because that was one thing they were doing. Even the brethren within the church were literally bringing each other to court, suing one another. And he's rebuking them about that and how wicked that is. But notice he says in verse number 7, Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to law with one another. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? You know what he says? Christians ought to be willing to let other people hurt them. Rather than having to prove themselves right and destroying their testimony in the cause of Christ. It's better for you to let someone else be hurtful to you. Suffer yourself to be defrauded. We don't like that idea, but that's exactly, isn't that what Jesus said? Someone smites you on your cheek, you turn to him the other. I, I mean, here's the confidence that we have. We're a people, we want justice, right? Do you realize, though, that there is coming a day when justice will be served? God, the righteous judge, is going to set everything straight. And I can trust, and you can trust, that if someone wrongs you, and you just let it go, it's not forgotten. God will deal with that. But be willing to let God deal with them, rather than trying to deal with it yourself. Because in trying to deal with it yourself, here's what's going to happen. You're going to destroy a relationship. You're going to hinder your fellowship with God. You're going to ruin your testimony. And it's going to be a hindrance to the cause of Christ. You know who wins in that situation? Satan. That's what happens. And so often we see this in churches. People getting at odds with one another. Sometimes over very minimal issues. Sometimes over big issues. People become divided. One sits on this side, one sits on this side, never the twain shall meet. Nobody's winning. Jesus here very, very wisely and very powerfully says, just agree with thine adversary while thou art in the way. Make it right. Figure out a way to make it right. Because there are more important things. Now, I know that there are sincere and legitimate and honest hurts that some of us have faced. Some of you have had people do you wrong, and it's a hurtful thing. And I'm not saying that that doesn't matter. I'm not saying it's not important. But I am saying it can be a distraction from the bigger picture of what God wants to do. Let us never... Allow interpersonal conflicts to get in the way of our relationship with God and what God wants to do in us and through us. Never. Go back to Matthew 5 if you would. Verse 24 again, he says, Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way first. 
be reconciled to thy brother, and then, and then, come, offer thy gift. The good news is, once you have done what is in your power to do, to try and make things right, then you can come back and offer your gift. In other words, then you can come before God with a clear conscience. Can I just ask you tonight, between you and God, can you come before Him with a clear conscience that there's nothing between my soul and the Savior, and I can say to the best of my knowledge and ability, there's nothing between me and the brethren. And if you can't say that tonight, can I just lovingly admonish you? Deal with it. Not tomorrow or next week or sometime before you die. But immediately, leave your gift at the altar. And go be reconciled to your brother. I don't know what that might look like. It might look like during invitation time, you need to go to someone and say, hey, can we go pray together? It might look like you leaving here tonight and picking up a phone, calling someone, or going over to someone's house, trying to make it right. Because God cares about our relationships with one another.